It's time for a, for a strange and lurid tale. This one's called Ride All Night. It's the Ride All Night Podcast, with stories of friends and family of the band From Good Homes. Started during the pandemic of 2020 and continuing until we're done. Thank you, we're trying some new things here. Okay, here it comes. We got a million people to thank. All right, well, welcome to the very first episode of the Ride All Night Podcast. I'm Vic Wadagno. I'm the host of the podcast. I'm speaking to you from Montpelier, Vermont. Been up here, I don't know, many years, seven years, eight years, ten years? Who the hell knows? Somebody knows. I could go find out if you really need to. I could go downstairs and ask somebody. But we've been here for quite a while. We produce a lot of films. We produce a podcast or two. Check out the Border Town podcast if you want to listen in on some ideas about resiliency and permaculture and building community. And let me tell you a little bit about what we're doing. First off, we're making a film about the band From Good Homes because we love the band From Good Homes. And I'm a longtime friend of the uh, From Good Homes establishment. And I go way back to the Sparta days back in northern New Jersey in the late 70s into the 80s when they used to play our junior high dances and the parties up at the Alpine Pool and uh, out in the woods and up in the hills and over the fields. They played the parties to us youngsters and uh, oh, what a party it was. They made a run for it in 1999. They went their separate ways, but then 10 years later, they reconnected at the Wellmont Theater in Montclair, New Jersey. And they've been playing ever since couple times a year to adoring fans and then just last year they put out yet another album time in the river and we've been working on a film we're working on a documentary about the band's uh early days and late days and all the days in between and uh we've been doing so over the past year when i say we it's uh myself and of course my buddy and editor brad johansson and my other buddy, Robert Kittela, who lives out in Denver. And thanks to our friend Darren Jacks, who's the executive producer of the Ride All Night feature documentary. Darren and I go way back to the Sparta days, and, and I uh, reconnected with Darren several years ago at a From Good Home show down in Jersey and found out he had a home up here in Vermont. And so next thing you know, him and I were getting together quite a bit talking about the good old days, talking about the band, and we said, hey, let's make a film. And after a couple years of that, we decided, all right, let's give it a go. And so last year, 2019, we started shooting, and uh, we're all ready to release this film coming up in the summer of 2020. And oh, what a year it is. So anyway, we were kind of working our way through the film, and all of a sudden we all found ourselves in lockdown. So I thought, hey, I can reach out to people at their homes and Grab more voices for the film. And this got me a thinking, well, why don't we not only talk about the band, but let's talk about this year. Oh my goodness. The great pandemic of 2020. So I've just had a blast reaching out, talking to old friends and family and reminiscing about the good old times and kind of checking in on people and seeing how they're doing. So first up, we got my good buddy out in Denver, Colorado, Wayne Russell. Wayne moved to Sparta, I think, right around fifth grade, somewhere in there, middle school, and we quickly formed our own band, The Paladin Steed, 
Keep your eyes open for a Paladin Steed reunion tour in 2020. And an album dedicated to the preservation and restoration of the Alpine Pool. You heard it here first. So Wayne and I played music in high school, and then we romped around in college and had fun, and I used to go see the band, and then actually we took our first trip west together, me and Wayne, Charlie Roy, and Chip Shad drove west, and Wayne was never to return. I stayed out there for many years, came back east about 10 years ago. Bit of my heart, a whole lot of my heart is still out there in the Rockies, as are many of my friends and many of the folks we talked to. So Wayne's out there and he's still making music. He's brewing beer with the Breckenridge Brewing Company. And uh, just so great to reconnect with Wayne and have a conversation. So please enjoy it. Me and uh, my good buddy, Wayne Russell. That's your, uh, that's your little zone in your house though, huh? That's your... Yeah, this is the attic. It's your little home studio. Man, we can never get out of the attic, Vic. This is where I belong. I belong in the attic. Where's the jar of marbles? I thrive in the attic. Jar of marbles? Remember, you had a big jar of marbles back in the yard, man. It was like a big, I think you had a big, I'm pretty sure it was a big jar of marbles, yeah. Huh, I wish I had a jar. Elena yeah, would love I a jar I, of marbles. I think, we, I think we actually broke the jar one night, I mean, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe that's what happened to the marbles. I can you know. I could use a jar of marbles right now. <laughs> yeah, we all could. <laughs> so, Russ, I thought, wow, during this time, I'd reach out to some more folks and try to get some more people involved. And then I, I'm like, wow, this is kind of cool because we can talk to people during this time. So talk yeah. from good homes in the pandemic. Yeah. Which I, got to, I got some nuggets to show you. So maybe we can. Uh, I got some old, old chestnuts that I just dug out a couple minutes ago. To- when we spoke last time, you... Told you reminded me of the you can't hide me. You told me that tape. Yeah, yeah. That's what is like that? Columbia in front of uh, the university out in uh, Columbia in front of uh, I think it's Mandela Mandela Hall. Is that what it is? What is that a photo of? It's like the, one of the, the protests they were doing back in the, the uh, you know in the Mandela days and stuff. You know, this yeah. was right around the time he did the uh, you know riding around with the. The missile on the back of the, the, the car. You know? I got to talk to Rich Watney and Kelly Carroll the other day. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they mentioned the missile. Yeah. What the hell was that missile all about? Do you know? As far as I remember, he was just driving around with it. Obviously kind of, I think, rolled into the warhead boogie thing, you know, but he was yeah. driving around just, and I think he was doing, he was doing some shows, you know, because he was playing solo at the time. As I remember, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, he wasn't playing with, who was this guy? Tom, right? Oh was yeah, it? Tom Duval. Yeah, Tom Duval. I'm not sure if they were playing together at the time or, um, you know, I think uh, Weaver was in on this too. Oh, if, yeah. I, if I, if I'm not mistaken, I think Weaver was in on that. Sean you know? may have been involved in that. In that who was that? Game. I think Sean might've been involved in that. Yeah, game. he could have been. Yeah, he could have been without a doubt. Sounds like something he would have been involved in. Yeah, that's for sure. I miss Sean, man. He's a good man. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what he think he would have thought about what we're going through right now. I know, you know? right? Yeah, so he always can... had a good perspective on things, you know. Yeah, and so, that's when we did that interview with you when Robert came to your house. It possibly, yeah, I think it was that so. Same weekend because I tried to same... get them up at Christine yeah. Wilson's house. Yeah, it was that same. You're right. It was that same. Yeah. You stay in touch with Robert pretty regularly. 
Yeah, he's he's shot a lot of this film, and we stay in touch a lot. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy, man. He's a funny guy. He loves the goat ropers. <laughs> yeah, I could tell. He's a big <laughs> fan. I didn't realize at the time that he was trying to push us with E-Town and stuff like that. Had I known that, I probably would have put a little bit more effort into that. Dude, I love E-Town, man. Living in Boulder, I just wanted to work with them so much. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to start a little thing here in Montpelier that starts with this podcast, but it's about music. You got to have music, you know, to put on a good show, of course, you have to have music. And I would not even say any, uh, like without any hesitation, it's an exact copy of E-Town. Cause that yeah. works. It's a great model. Yeah, it does. Well, we just saw, so, you know, for in Midwest time, central time, they just had the start of the 420 celebration and Willie's doing a big show. He has all sorts of people on man. It's going for like the next four hours and they're just kind of, he's hanging with the son Lucas, you know, and they're just kind of, but you realize like what you just said, like the importance of kind of you know, keeping it rolling kind of thing, you know, and yeah. keeping it interesting. So, cause right away in the first like five minutes, you could see like, oh, these, these guys are definitely not used to doing anything like this. They're totally. looking, Willie's like, where's the camera? Like, he has no, yeah. like, has no idea what's going on. And Ben O'Rourke came on and it was just so funny. He's like, look, Ben is over here. And he's looking this way, like, you know, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, it's better. You know, <laughs> like he has no, like, you're like, oh yeah. Still Dude, kind of, uh. You know, you got to get used to doing it. All of a sudden, the whole entertainment industry is just being anybody that wants to throw something out from their bedroom. Yeah, I know. It's kind of interesting. It's so fun to just have all of a sudden like, oh, I wonder who's doing a show right now. (laughs) Go check them out. Yeah. Did you see Todd's show? Todd did a nice show. No, I I wanted to go check it out. I know he did one. Was that Easter? Easter Sunday, yeah. 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 Now, did you do that with him? No, no. I just was a fan. Um. No, good guy David Tracer from Boulder helped him through that. Oh, okay. Todd's not real tech techno, and yeah, mm-hmm. when he went to launch the Facebook Live, it said Facebook would like to utilize your camera, and he's like, "No fucking way!" It's like, <laughs> <laughs> "That's what this is, man." You- That's great. You got well, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. the Zoom thing is cool. Facebook, you know, I I I'm not really so into the I, even though I should use it, you know, to promote and you know musically it's a good good thing but then i find two weeks into being back on facebook you just hear a lot of things you don't really need to hear from totally it'd be just good if you could just keep it down one avenue and just keep it like that you know like like, okay this is just for music i don't want to talk politics i don't want to talk you know smack about anybody or anything like that yeah and that's what's hard it is because then other people a lot other people look at it. They're like, who, you know, you got crazy people on your Facebook page, you know, and you're like, uh, yep. Okay. Enough of that. <laughs> you know, it's funny having Elena, 10 year old daughter. It's like, Oh, okay. Trying to teach someone about the intensity of media. Like it can, yeah. it can over. Um, and now all of a sudden to be like locked down where we're just, this is it. This is how we communicate now, I guess. Yeah. yeah it's interesting. Her world's going to be, I mean, just look, I mean, 10 years from now when she's 20 years old, who knows where we're going to be in 10 years, you know? This is a big jolt. This is like, I mean, this is like this historical moment where it's just going to alter things, all sorts of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. So for, for like, like to kick this off, what is, just explain what's going on now. Where are we? What's happening? Where are you? What the fuck's going on, Russ? Yeah, well, you know, to kick this all off, I mean, we're in the middle of uh, one of the biggest 
situations we've had in, in our lives. And I can't remember anything even remotely like this, even as being kids or anything like that. So this coronavirus, COVID-19, is just taking over the whole world and the, the whole uh, situation of how we do everything. And probably for quite a while now is going to be... Um, you know, governing the things that we do and kind of the steps we take forward to get through this all. So, um, you know, I'm here in Colorado, kind of hunkered down, fortunate to still be working and, and brewing beer with the Breckenridge, trying to uh, stay positive, trying to stay healthy, obviously, trying to catch up maybe on a little couple things that, you know, you aren't able to do all the time, maybe some reading, some playing music, being with people, being with you. I mean, it's nice just to see you and kind of do this. This is cool. Yeah. But we live in a time nowadays that we should, we should all be coming together on different things for the most part uh, on most every other day. I mean, there's a lot of things uh, obviously happening right now in the whole glo global situation and, you know, not to get too political, but it's time to bring us in this world into a good place. There's some big issues really facing us right now with, uh, you know, climate change and, and just social change and got to bring back the love. Yeah. So <laughs> what's know? happening like right outside that window, like in Denver, I'm in Montpelier, Vermont. Yeah. What's, Den what's Denver like? So Denver is about 10 minutes away from Colorado national holiday, which is going to be 420 in about 10 minutes here. So oh, yeah. you'll probably hear a little, uh, little celebration since I am right across the street from city park right now. So, um, it's kind of a cool, cool part of Denver. You know, yeah. Like if I look out this window, I'm looking pretty much straight at the park. And so that's the center of Denver, nice Lake. Everybody's walking around and you know, people are pretty good down here in Denver. You know, there's a lot of people that are taking heed and wearing masks and trying, you know, really trying to keep the social distancing, but it's also Colorado as well as you know, in, when it's a sunny day in Colorado, people are outside. <laughs> I mean, it's really hard to uh, hard to fight that here. That's what people do. They close down the, the ski resorts and, you know, a lot of the national parks, the mountains. Uh, you know, you can still go hiking and stuff, but there's a lot of uh, trailheads. So you're not supposed to take off from like actually established trailheads. So it's really, it's, it's kind of tough, especially in a state that tourism and going outside and being on your bike and running is pretty much the thing that everybody does. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, but it's, it, so you see a lot of people just doing their normal thing, you know, and it's hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. It seems like almost like the virus has kind of separated up age groups a little bit as far as who's more concerned or who's less concerned or who's kind of in the middle on things and it's a tough one to bring everybody together. We had some protests here in Denver and yesterday afternoon. And so, yeah, it's, it gets a kind of, it gets a little strange. It's funny to think about, like, I like, I always, you know, I've been doing the audio log since fucking forever. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I should try to record something just to capture like what's happening, but the way it's happening so fast. And, and like we talked about earlier, like the chaos that the, uh, that gets, that gets directed from the top. Um, cause right now we're in the phase of the protests. Yeah. So now mm -hmm. there's like yep. yesterday was the protests. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. So we yeah. here in America are protesting <laughs> the fact that we should stay away from each other so that we don't catch a deadly disease. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. Right? 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I guess what, so what's the argument? The protest is that we shouldn't be, the government's coming too down on us and keeping. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, it's just a matter of civil liberties and kind of, you know, don't tread on me kind of philosophy, which is a viable argument without a doubt. Once again, to get back to that, uh, the solution to the problem can't be worse than the problem, I guess, is is the argument with, you know, every, all the small businesses shut. And uh, it's kind of weird because Colorado has done a pretty good job, it seems, as far as battling this whole thing. We, our governor, I think, uh, Governor Polis, has done a great job of kind of getting everybody on board, really level-headed, really, uh, you know, speaks true and not, not, it doesn't seem so crazy, just kind of level, very common sense kind of things that we have to do. And it seems like Colorado was pretty early at doing it. You know, we got on that, uh, on board with things pretty quickly, which I think has helped out. Yeah, there's still a ton of things that are closed, that's for sure. But there's still a lot that is still open too. You know, I think better than a lot of other states, that's for sure. And one thing Colorado does have, you know, on its side is that once we maybe start to go into this next phase of things and kind of do start to slowly open things, Colorado certainly has an economy that can bounce back pretty readily. We've seen it before back in, you know, 2008. And uh, we have, you know, aside from the, the legal weed from the 420 stuff, which certainly helps. I mean, it has, there's a lot of money in the industry. There's a lot of, you know, tourism. There's a lot of things that Colorado has going for it that once people can go out and start doing those things again, uh, the, the money's there. It's a young population, especially here in Denver. You're talking about a pretty youthful median age that likes to go out and likes to support different things. You know, once music gets going, it'll be back on, I think. I feel bad for some of these people in the middle, you know, in some of these really rural locations, which are going to have a hard time, a harder time snapping back. That's for sure. Economically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's what's so weird about thinking about like we're at a phase of it and a phase of re-entry, but we're also at like perhaps the beginning of what would be like the depression. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Without a doubt. I mean, it's, it's kind of really hard to say. Yeah. Um, People are starting to get their stimulus checks and, and different things like that. And, uh, you know, unemployment seems to slowly be unraveling some money a little bit. But yeah, like you said, it's just the first phase. It's yeah. just kind of the beginning. I think, you know, 2020, if we all get the hindsight to look back on it, it, it you know, down the road a little bit, it's going to be one of the craziest years that anybody's ever going to remember. It's so sure. bizarre because, you know, not to no politics either way, but Trump is just such a masterful sleight of hand, sleight of hand guy. I mean, he is a reality <laughs> oh, yeah. TV guy. He's the expert. So it's just one thing after the next. And like, the reality of what's happening will not be the reality in a month. No, be yeah. some other fucking complete delusional lie. Yeah, no, it's a, well, you don't see, but behind him, he's got David Blaine behind the curtain doing all <laughs> sorts of illusions that you really don't, you don't see that part of it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. who knows what this thing will, will be like, you know, like yeah. oh, crazy. No, it is crazy. And, you know, unfortunately being such a political year, I think that makes it even a little bit crazier. It's to a point where you, if you really, if you really dissect it and, you know, once again, not to get too political, but if you really dissect it on a daily basis, it spins your head. If to watch 
say you had a, seven TVs and turned on all the news stations, you know, just to see really, uh, unfortunately, uh, how split we actually are. We are not on the same page. And it's, and it's too bad, you know, because in the end, we're all, as you know, we're all so close together. We all deal with the same stuff. I mean, we all are, we're all completely in it together. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we just want, you know, we want to eat, we want to take care of our kids, we want to stay safe, we want to, you know, we don't want to go over and start running people over in the street. I mean, that's just not the way it is, you know, you want to, you just want the basic things. Yeah. You want your, the people and the fa your family around you to be happy and in, in your close circle of friends, you know, and I totally. mean, it's all, it's kind of simple. Yeah, you know? I know, it seemingly is. <laughs> You know, it's amazing America stays, gets held together for this long because it is pretty simple, but uh, what a complex place we live in. It reminds well, me, I was thinking when I signed the email, like Freud and Floyd, I remember, do you remember the Freud to, yeah. was it Freud to Floyd or Freud and Floyd? Freud and Floyd, I Sitting sure back. do, man. So let's get, let's get lost Chip, in some... Chip, let's Chip I just remember, I can clearly remember, and if you can remember when we worked at that building for, you know, when we were working there, and we're just, I think we have both had about eight layers of clothes on, you know, stuff over our faces. And we were up chipping cement off the wall. Remember that? We are up on the scaffold. Dude. And it was just, the wind was just howling through that building. I mean, we were like in this wind tunnel in Jersey in the winter, you know, and I could just I remember we were just like, we got to get out of here. We got to go to Colorado. Let's go to Colorado. <laughs> you know? It was just some, we didn't really even think about it. It wasn't even a thought. It was just like, actually we gotta... explaining that a little bit because you and I, I think it was just you and I were, yeah. were hired by the architect and the builder yeah. of this. Mm -hmm. What yeah. is some might argue a bit of an eyesore in Sparta. It's just a funky building. What yeah. nonetheless, it's this brick building that the exterior, the interior was like an exterior. So we were there to work with everybody, whoever yeah. showed up, all the different subs that showed up. Yeah, it somebody... was. We were like the, we were just the grunts on the job. Yeah, yeah. somebody must yeah. have put the brick up. I forget. And they like dripped a bunch dripped of all the cement. Yeah. All the cement. So yeah. our job for like weeks was to, was I mean, we were on a, we were on a scaffolding, right? Yeah. We were chipping away. And we were like, you know, I'm, I just remember being like, because we're like 25 feet in the air, like, who's going to see the cement up here? You know, like, we're <laughs> right. chipping it away. Yeah, like, uh, this, it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of crazy. And then know? what happened? Did we first watch the wall at that moment in time? Was that the first time we saw the wall? Or may, for me, it might have been. Yeah, then we I spent... mean, it was all right around that time because we're you're talking, I think it was, was that about eight? That was probably around 83. We were out of high school. So we, you know, we were out of high school, that's for sure, but not long out of high school. I mean, it was only that year, year or so later, yeah. you know, and I think it was, we started working in the fall and we were working into the winter hmm. and it started, you know, it was Jersey. It was uh, muddy hmm. and cold and <laughs> rainy and you know, yeah. snowy and we were doing really tedious tasks. I just remember like just standing around with you sometimes, you know, we had to shovel. I mean, whatever we had to do, it wasn't really, wasn't really super uh, inventive work. It was like grab a shovel and move that dirt from here to here. Totally. Know? Like that, as, as screwed up as that job of chipping the cement was, that was the best job we had. <laughs> it was. Well, he actually, I always remember the architect. He was actually nice to us. Totally he cool guy. Yeah, he treated us pretty cool, you know, yeah. I mean, for just being two young kids that 
probably really weren't doing a, the greatest job. <laughs> you know? no, didn't know what we were doing. And then no, we, we had just, to switch in between. Like we, we had different bosses every day. We just used to sit there and talk day. a lot of time. We did a lot of leaning, I remember. <laughs> a lot of talking. Well, you a know, lot of talking. It's so cool because thinking about this, like the tie-in of this conversation and having conversations with that bring people to similarities. It's this pandemic, but then from good homes in Jersey. And it's amazing how Colorado is such an, uh, a link to, to the from good home story and all of us, you know, cause there was this mass migration to Colorado. Um, well, that was the start for us because, you know, I should run back and I, I just unearthed the pictures from that trip we made you, me and Charlie and, and uh, Bill Shad, because that's when we came. We left that job to literally, we were just coming out to Colorado to kind of, you know, check it out. So to speak. it didn't seem like, our plan was not really maybe to stay. I think we were going to stay for a couple of weeks, but that changed everything. That changed my life. That changed, you know, Charlie's life. I mean, Charlie's still here. I mean, you know, you were out here for forever. I mean, we're the only one that didn't stay was, uh, was Chip. It kind of changed. It changed my whole, you know, I went back to Jersey and wasn't back in Jersey for too long after that, you know, it was like, okay, I'm going back to, I'm going back to Colorado. That's yeah. for sure. No and then doubt. we, you know, we kind of landed in Boulder and that part is a, a whole other historical journey. You yeah. know, those days in Boulder, that's when the migration started, you know, yeah. Yeah. it was cool. Yeah. It was cool times. You know, I always will look at uh, those early days in, in Boulder as it, it was kind of magical, man. Everybody was coming out, you know, people going to school. There were, you know, we were all doing like different things. And then, yeah, then the homes, uh, you know, decided to uh, trek out. And I think partially just because, oh, they had a place to come to. We had a couple crazy nights, <laughs> you know. We had a lot of fun during those, uh, those ski tours, so to speak, you know. Well, I had, we had a ball because I didn't have anything to do but ski during the day and go watch them play at night. So <laughs> it was really pretty magical to, to go up to Steamboat, ski for two days, and then watch them for two nights, and then roll on down the Vale or, you know, Crusty Butte, we rolled down to Breckenridge. I mean, we were all over the place. You know? It was, it was the best, man. There was like, it was yeah. like as good as it could get, you know, because we it was just... as good. It was, it was as good as it could get. It really was. I remember the, the days we were down at Telluride and maybe, you know, I'd put that one of the top 10 days of my life, you know, I yeah. mean, it was just magical. I felt like we were in heaven. Yeah. It was really something else. And they played Fly Me to the Moon, you know, which Fly Me to the Moon is, legendary telluride is one of those towns that just it's probably the best the best days of a lot of people's lives just arriving to telluride yeah. you know just arriving just like, into town i know is that a waterfall like two yeah. miles up yeah. we're looking is at that, i know that's what everybody says you just yeah. you, you got to stay there you just got to stand on the street and like oh my gosh town ends yeah. town doesn't go through it it ends yeah. <laughs> you know we're in a canyon here yeah, yeah and uh, they just you know they just canceled telluride bluegrass Ah, this past yeah. week, which is unfortunately huge for the town of Telluride. What an economical bus that is. You when know? is that scheduled for? That's the third week in June. So that's, ah. you know, that's quite a ways off to have to have uh, canceled it. You know, I think they were hanging on. But, you know, obviously you got to you got to make the decision for a lot of these musicians, a lot of the people that are involved. It's grown into quite a huge festival now. For bluegrass, it's like one of, if, if not the festival, it's certainly right in the top three. Yeah. So, yeah, it's too bad. 
I was amazed when I came out to Colorado last year, how the music scene there, like we went to this brewery, I think, was it just Todd's doing a solo show? No, he was playing with a bunch of people. There was like a thousand people there. <laughs> and I just got to know a lot of folks and they're like, oh, I didn't know if I should go here because that's happened and that's happened and that's happened and that's happened. There's like yeah. 20 events with 2000 people. at it. Yeah. I mean, that, that was, I think that was the same night you came down and watched me play too. That's right. When you went out to golden yes. and, uh, you know, you went out to golden to watch him play. Yeah. yeah. No, it's amazing. The front range and all of Colorado, right? It's like, and thinking about like when we first went out there, and like, I guess leftover salmon was kind of, and who, oh, string cheese incident, right? String cheese, yeah. And leftover yeah. salmon was the band, like yeah. you, you talked about earlier, how they, uh, they really kind of welcomed the homes and they helped the homes a lot. Yeah, Vince is still, he's still like, I would have to say Colorado statesman as far as musical statesman. He just, uh, Vince has a, he has a way about him that is truly unique. And man, can that guy go still? I mean, yeah. you talk about a guy that can go all night, he, it's amazing. I mean, yeah. he can play, he can play for hours and just play and just play some more, take a little break and then come back and play some more. You know? I remember I mean, when I was touring around with the homes and they played Colorado and then they went out to San Francisco and they opened for them at the great American music hall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just saw this place fill up, you know, and that was always something that was always different. It's like, yeah. wow. Yeah. <laughs> and he just, the energy started and he, he came out and he's like, Oh, it's good to be down from the mountains for a little while and just rock yeah. San Francisco. It's like that guy yeah. definitely has good energy. The great thing now is after all these years, they're just going through a huge anniversary. So this year is, I think, 30, 30 years of leftover salmon. Or I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's what they're kind of celebrating like right now. Um, doing some big shows around the state. You know, they're playing uh, some big three night runs and stuff. Um the guy who does all our musical promotion and all our marketing and uh, his name's Tebow and famous here in Colorado for what he does for beer, but he's also extremely tight with Vince and they're like best buddies. So we're the sponsors of most of the shows. I mean, it's, it's Breckenridge Brewery, which is kind of funny after all these years, once again, the full circle comes, you know, comes around and it's like, Oh yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. How long yeah. I've actually known those guys for, you know, yeah. so we've been a long, long time. Well, Russ, I don't know what we want to talk about, man. We could talk about like the early days of like Sparta or the, you know, certainly the, when, you know, Colorado days, when the, when the band came out, what's on your mind? What do you feel like talking about? Like, what's, what do you think about these days? What's happening? You know, uh, we, we can talk about the band. I mean, the thing I always find amazing is really, you know, kind of how lucky I always think even though I'm not back in Jersey and I don't really visit anymore but just how lucky I was to really have kind of moved there when I did you know I moved there in eighth grade we met probably when I you know I just moved there we were you know playing playing football down at a you know whatever down at the park and stuff and you know that's kind of how I got to kind of know everybody and you know obviously over the course of uh, our high school uh, years, you know, we obviously got to be best friends, but I always look at that time period right there at the late 70s into the early 80s and just the change we were also experiencing back then. There was a big changes going on to, to move from the, the 70s into the 80s. It certainly was a big shift in ideologies and moving into the, the Reagan era, political shifts in the country, uh, just kind of what we were able to 
experience at that time in our lives and kind of take it with us. What a musical little town it was for being, you know, just a small little town. You know, we were all just playing together as kids, you know, just not really taking it too seriously. But in the end, we all kind of did take it seriously, you know? I mean, it kind of stuck with us all. You know, music has become a a, certainly a big driving force in a lot, you know, especially our close circle of friends. It's certainly been a really driving force. It's it's been a very important thing. Like just going through, picking out some of these from Good Homes tapes. I got some chestnuts here. (laughs) (laughs) What you got? You know, you got the old Gurr tape, which kind of started it all off, you know, and these, you were all involved in this. Your name is on all these things, you know? I got good goodbye fat boy. If you remember the goodbye fat boy tape, you know. No, tell, show me that. What's that? Yeah, so it's just it doesn't even have a cover. It's not even really that many songs, you know. But it's all it's a lot of strange and lured, yeah. you know. It's a lot of you know way to go, Pam. Relationships are strange. I think is on there. Hmm. Here's the original dogs tape. It starts out with the real world, get away from it all, all wound up. Then you got confetti, warhead, how long? Wait a minute. What is this stuff? Scudder's Lane and uh, get on with it. You just think like, wow, Scudder's like Warhead, you know, all these songs that still somehow are in the lexicon, you know, certainly Todd's life with Railroad Earth, because they certainly do some of those songs. I mean, this is this is like 1988 or something like that, 1989, you know, I mean, they weren't from good homes yet. I mean, I think Dan had just, there's a couple tracks here with Dan playing sax, but is that even a most demo? Of, is that a demo? Yeah, tape? it's kind of it's kind of demo-ish, you know. That's for sure. Here's a here's a demo that I I dug up Brady Brady's demo. It has a ton of songs on it, like recorded on a four track or something. Yeah, probably four tracks. Brady Reimer demo, circa 1992, and there's probably talking 30 songs on this this demo tape. What do you got? What what name some songs that are on there? So here's here's Brady's demo tape. I, I'm not even sure if he could remember this. I hope he has it. So it starts off, for you to see, love, I talk to Cupid, a spiral spinning, sitting on a park bench. I mean, you're going to know some of these songs. Infatuation, driving in the moon, <laughs> you take me for granted, simple song. You'll probably remember simple song. Every grain of sand, heaven knows. And that's just the first side. You know, so yeah, and it's all, it's all rhymer. The whole thing that ends with catch the mouse. So you remember catch the mouse. Love catch the mouse. So there's, there's some ones on here. He's got banging out of melodies on here. Demo version of banging out a melody. Hole in your heart. Demo, demo of hole in your heart, which is, that's a, that's a little chestnut right there. I was always one of my favorite FGH songs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that song. That was a, that was a forgotten gem. And from good home rough, rough mixes, I think that you got to me, day is alive, going out, you got bang that drum, parachute, biscuit jam, when the world was young, season of the soul. There's this one, you, you're on it, booking, Vic Guadagno, BZH Productions, Blinds and Horatio, right? Blinds and Horatio. Yeah, exactly. Oh, nice. You know, What's on that I, one? I don't think anybody would know what BZH is, right? <laughs> That's got Let Go, Way to Go Pam, The Mess, Tracy, and Fruitful Acres. And that's 91. I remember we had that stamp, that From Good Homes thing. We actually yeah. had the, ru- the rubber stamp. Yeah, the rubber stamp. Exactly. Nice. So that was it because that's the one from Gurr too. 
Oh yeah. The same the same rubber stamp. Always my favorite was oh, hip hop. Yeah. That's still the standard for me. I could listen to this and get to the end and just listen to it again. Totally. You know, love so, love this. So I got to I called up uh, Robin Danar and did one of the did a chat with him the other day. Uh huh. Yeah. He's out in Los Angeles. It was cool. Oh, man. He really? was a producer. He's the guy that re- yeah. produced that. Yeah. Produced that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Out of yeah. the little van in the in the parking lot of the George Inn and the and, Yeah. Uh, the picture from the picture from the inside, right? Yeah. You know, I love the picture from the inside. We're all just sitting sitting in front of the from Jersey Fresh. Yeah. Jersey Fresh sign, you know. Totally. Oh, and then on the yeah. C D there's the uh, boxing the boxing yeah. uh, photo. What a great disc. Like you so know, silly. I should show you these boxes. I don't know if you can see, but back there, it's like boxes and boxes of tapes. When I was in Jersey, I visited Todd and I got like a lot of the old tapes. Listening to those old tapes, so many of the, what was really amazing is so many times when they'd play a song and the structure would be there, the melody, maybe the chorus and no lyrics. And they'd play, they do that a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm really, and I, you know, I'm not a songwriter per se, I have, I wrote one song a long time ago, but I would never imagine that to be the case, uh, to have songs that you're like ready to play and, and not have the story told just the Mm -hmm. expression and the core, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, I guess that brings me to one of the chestnuts of them all, which is the party at Blockinger's house. And I think a lot of that is just what you're talking about. They did a lot of songs that they changed quite a bit. These are songs that we were all, all hearing for the first time. You hear "Bird in a House" for the first time. What year is uh, that? It's July of '92, mm. but that was when they were on a roll. Yeah. It seemed like every time you saw them, if you skipped a couple months, all of a sudden the second set was a brand new set of music. You know, you were like, yeah. "Wow!" They were really churning out songs. They they were on fire, really. I mean, for most bands to be really cranking out songs like they were cranking them out is is was pretty amazing and just the course of like a couple of years and not really going into the studio and recording them doing it live you know mm-hmm. just working them out live they got the gibson girl on this one if the wet walnut gibson yeah girl. Where, who todd's just wet walnut wet walnut <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's so strange and learned you know yeah. you forget like just Especially now with what Todd does with Railroad Earth, you just forget how strange and learned it actually got it. You know? Oh my God, it is amazing. Oh. It's, it's so cool to kind of think about, like you said, that time frame where there was just music in town. And then the influences too, you know, it's kind of cool to think about the influences. And I, I always think of Jack Hardy as a really yeah. early one for them. Yeah. I mean, Not the dead, the Grateful Dead laid the, created our DNA. Yeah. And then the yeah, Almond Brothers, the Almond Brothers, yeah. little Southern mm-hmm. rock. But then Todd getting that Jack Hardy influence. Yeah. And then the the Strange and Lurid Tales seem to be like the early days of I don't know maybe folk storytelling. How well, how would you describe the Strange and Lurid Tales? I always heard, especially since he went in, you know, he was at Columbia and was in the city for the the little while and stuff and hanging out in the city. It seemed like there was definitely a lot that he garnered from being in the city, you know, the talking heads. I always think I hear a lot of David Byrne, almost Lou Reed, you know, almost like a folk kind of, um, 
I guess hip hop was a good way to put it. I don't know how we all came out of West Jersey doing what we were doing anyway. I yeah. mean, I, you know, Northwest Jersey, we were all, I mean, we were, I, we were lucky, I think, just to have an exposure to uh, Sparta at that time was, you know, I think it was a stop on, uh, on the Dead's tour, really, for the most part. I mean, it was, you know, to see the end of what was going on at the boardwalk, you know, kind of the end of the 70s. The Strange and Lurid, I always think, like, came a little bit out of that, what was happening kind of the, almost in the New York punk scene at the time. It was a little punky. It was a little edgy but it wasn't over the top. It wasn't the Ramones or anything, but it was just edgy enough where it had that city city roughness to it, you know, around the edges. But yet was was essentially like more folk tinged and, you know, had tinges of bluegrass, tinges of country, but it wasn't necessarily any of those things, you know. It was definitely somewhere beautifully in the middle. Yeah. You know, and I just look at what I still do with the goat ropers, what we did, and well, you know, we're, we might still have another another little tried another album in it. Us, you know, it's been a while since we did our our album, but we're thinking about, you know, I'd like to churn another one out here, like a ten year reunion album or something like that, and just yeah. kind of see what we still got in us. But just to think that we turned into kind of this hippie country band, whatever you want to call it, but it was it's still like. How do we all kind of gravitate to this more Americana style music? You know, it's really interesting to think about North Jersey then and now. I heard an interview with Todd, and they were saying, "So, North, where are you guys from? Like North Jersey?" And it's like, what is that influence? In the '80s was like it was MTV's happening, and then Wall Street. Right now, it's the beginning of what we're now like. It's now culminating in this huge oh, yeah. money. Um, you know, go to Wall Street. From Good Homes did a nice walk on that edge of not dissing it, but almost a caricature of it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Certainly some of the songs are kind of direct hits. I mean, something like Cheating at the Club, you know, it's definitely like, a, you know, stab at what we just talked about. And so those guys were like kind of writing songs, you know, if you think about it, like Cheating at the Club and Go Wild. Government song, right? Totally. Yeah. Totally. And it was, and then coming off the Grateful Dead, right? The Grateful Dead, where it was just like, you know, they coming from the acid tests. So there wasn't <laughs> defined songs. Was and that from, was the acid test? Was that our? Was that what we went into Nassau Coliseum that one weekend? That was our own little acid test. <laughs> I think that Absolutely. was right. <laughs> oh my God, it's so funny because Rich Watney just told a story about going to Nassau and losing Brady. I wonder if it was the same night that uh, that night. I don't remember much about that show, but I remember we were going in and try gonna try to log it all down, you know. And we were, I, have, I still I have that log. If I had mine, it was it was just scribbles because I actually don't think I ever wrote a word, you know. Just but you did trying you, you to create. I just the I just remember just I just clearly remember you like midway during that show, and I was like, Vic, if I lose you, I'm done, you know. Like I am absolutely done. <laughs> what, what, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but I'll never forget this one little moment of that show. Because remember you had, um, and you know, I, I never knew the guy very well, but you had a big friend. His name was Jerry. Do you remember that guy? He was like a, he was like a pretty tall guy, you know, and it, I, it was just a, an acquaintance of yours, you know, that, you know, I don't think you were friends or anything, but you yeah. kind of, you know, ran similar paths and stuff. And I just remember us sitting up there. And all of a sudden, you know, we're like, he, here he comes walking by and we're both like, Jerry, 
Jerry trying to get his attention. We're like, all of a sudden we realized like, oh, everybody in this place is screaming Jerry. You know? like, we're at a not work. No. <laughs> and we're like, we navigated our way to like third tier. Yeah, back, third tier like, back of the stage. We're like, yeah. these are the best These seats are the best seats ever. Yes. <laughs> How come no one else wanted could. this? I think we could touch the roof in Nassau Coliseum. It, was, like, a, it okay, was a fiery okay, cauldron. Okay, this, this is good. <laughs> okay, this will work. I got this. I got this. <laughs> oh my goodness wonder what that what year that was any any recollection and it's probably you know we're talking 83 84 because there was a lot of people around still in, in town you know town hadn't really broken up yet First. you know there was a lot of us still around there were a lot of people at that nassau coliseum show i, I clearly remember that yeah. we were all kind of hanging a little bit you know so, Russ, I want to talk more about your music now. Are you still doing the uh, Tom Petty band? Is that happening? Well, nothing's yeah. happening now, right? Yeah, nothing's happening now, but still working on it. Obviously on hold. We're ready to ready to play. I mean, we, we put together 30 or 40 songs. I'm just kind of holding down the lead. It's cool, you know, just stuffing stuffing Tom Petty songs in my head, you know. But we, we, we the cool thing is now, I think we've gotten um, a good left to center, which is which is kind of cool, you know. Uh, the guys in the band at first, I think they were a little, you know, unsure about, you know, are we just going to be doing all the, the hits, straightforward hits? And we certainly do. I mean, you do the ones that are kind of necessary. But we've, uh, we've now added a lot of songs that are kind of, you know, B and C sides and stuff, which is really cool. Because mm -hmm. you realize, once again, just how many songs he actually wrote. Just really simple songs, man. I mean, the simplicity of it is just, you know, now that I've really just immersed myself and, you know, I'm probably, I think I'm in the hundred or plus songs that I got jammed into my head now. Yeah. Just the simplicity. Wasn't stretching any boundaries, wasn't really breaking any rules, but somehow just managed to kind of just plug along, just playing rock and roll, you know, keeping true to a band that yeah. stayed together for forever. Yeah. Same guys saying this, this is about the band, not really ever going out solo and not leaving the band behind uh, yeah. even in what would be considered solo albums of his the band's kind of on those albums just the same i mean mm -hmm. pretty much a guy that believed in the, the really simple formula of like what it takes to just be a rock and roll band you yeah. know totally. and it's kind of cool that band the band that you're playing with man so they they were look they put out did you respond to an ad they're yeah they just craigslist they must have been psyched to find you <laughs> I I think it worked it worked out pretty well. Yeah. I was actually in the formation of kind of just doing it solo. I went up to a brewery up in Summit County, a friend of mine that owns a brewery, and it was Halloween night and just decided like well, I'm gonna just go and do a set of my own music, but then I'm gonna take a break and then remade myself into Tom Petty for Halloween and just Around what I thought was a, like a good solo show, and it was kind of cool because I'm as I was doing it, I'm like, this is something that he never really did. It was cool, man. Yeah. You know? So kind of was doing that when I saw the ad, and was the drummer's really good, the guitar player's really good, and the bass. I mean, really, just a nice group of guys. Just playing music. I'm just playing, you know, writing. Just always writing, you know. I was just thinking about um. People are scanning in their senior year photos. So I have the yearbook over there and I looked at and I saw your picture. I'm like, oh, I'll scan this in and show Russ. And then I saw that you were in Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And then I'm thinking, yeah. wow, you were pretty bold in your performance. Cause I remember in the, in the, like the talent show too, you did a freeze yeah. frame. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and did yeah. you play the boxer too? I did play the boxer as well. Yeah, I did. Very nice, dude. Nice memory, Vic. <laughs> and so wow. I, I just always remember your influences. I remember Pure Prairie League being one thing early, oh, early days. Oh, yeah. Not a doubt. It's, and then, of course, know, Tom Petty. I don't know how you even remember that, my friend. But every time I start play, every time I play solo, I start off with a song called Jasmine by Pure Prairie League. Every time. It's my warm-up song. So it's always the first song that I play. Nice. And, you know, it's, it's, it just harkens back to, you know, way back once upon a time. Yeah. And I think most people are like, what? You know, they don't know what song it is. Nobody knows what song <laughs> it is. So then the last thing, because we should wrap her up soon, but the, uh, so the goat ropers, when you and Charlie bones, what is, yeah. cause I know he plays, how does, when does that happen? Is that, does that happen now? And you guys stay in touch, right? So it's when oh, yeah, you decide really nice to play to music together, if you do, or. Obviously the goat ropers, we haven't played in quite a few years now, but I still talk to obviously Charlie, but I still talk to um, the pedal steel player that was playing with us, Glenn Taylor. He's a busy, busy Colorado musician. He plays with a band now called Bonnie and the Clydes that they get around. They're getting their little run in Colorado now. I think without too much persuasion, I think we could put together, a, you know, like a second album, yeah. which I would really like to do, go back in and just kind of start where we left off. The hard part is going out and promoting it as well as you know, yeah. the, the business side of it. It's it's always fun to get back together and play and, and just do that. But once you really like, okay, are we going to get serious about this and like right. start going out and playing and stuff, then all of a sudden it starts to get really jumbled, yeah. <laughs> you know? Not fun anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. You know, that's the tough part. But I definitely was I'm thinking about even if that doesn't happen, maybe a little solo work here. You know, I got always got a bunch of songs, but just, you know, maybe making something a little bit different, a little bit softer, a little bit sweeter, a little bit, um, I don't know, just a little bit more my own. Dude, you know. what do we have to do to have a Russ Facebook Live during the pandemic? Have you thought about that? Yeah. Yeah, we could do that. that Let's would be do cool. that. Yeah. Do that <laughs> up. I'll yeah. help you do that. I mean, not that I can help you, but I'll help you just by inspiring you to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was funny because as I was gathering all these tapes together, you know, I certainly had a couple on and was uh, listening to some old tracks, some old from Good Homes tracks. And I always go to the Decision song, which somehow seems like pretty poignant for this these times, you know? What a beautiful song. Yeah. A message that stands the test of time, you know, yeah. we're always, always in the middle of those decisions. And for the most part, like he wraps it up and here I stand going nowhere, you know, right? right. And then it's time for moving on, you know, it's just beautiful because yeah. it is, it's time for moving on. Yeah. That's a good rap. That's a good rap, because, brother. Well, because it is time for moving on, you know, yeah, it is. No doubt. It is. So hopefully this thing will wrap up and we'll kind of gracefully come out of it into a new world of love and joy and peace. Yeah, I sure hope so, my, my friend. Yeah, we better. We got to just get our, get, screw our heads on straight and just do the right thing. They call it the golden rule for a reason. It's, you know, I mean, the golden rule exists in every culture across, no matter what you call it. It's an important thing to just kind of remember, you, you know, just do unto others, man. Just, you know, let's treat each other good. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, Russ. Well, be be well, man. Stay healthy. Thanks for doing this, man. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you real soon, man. Love you, brother. All right. Love you too, man. Be good. Later. All right. Thank you. We're going to pull out an old chestnut. It's an old chestnut from my buddy Wayne who lives in Colorado.
romantic situation. It's time to kick some ass. Thank you.